HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. You know, it's New York City Beer Week. Amber Sarah, nice to have you on. Yeah, nice to be here. and getting pumped for uh, Brewer's Choice tomorrow. That's right. And a big part of that is we're talking about New York State grains and how they're, they're using beer. And uh, we got some great experts, Tor and Amy from the Finger Lakes. We're going to talk about grains. And we got a, a new guy from Oregon, Dustin Herb, who's going to talk about barley. Yeah, How are you, man? Yeah, good. And uh, a New York State brewery that just opened, uh, Justin Saylor from Strong Rope, who's only using New York State ingredients. So, yep. Jason, Jason Saylor. Sorry, man. Sorry. I'm uh, out of my mind today. It's, it's like the fourth, what, our fifth day of beer week. We've been doing shows every day at 12 o'clock. We've been drinking beer. The, the New York City smash beers are amazing. I mean, I've had, what have you had, Ann? I've had some from Greenpoint. I've had Gunhill. I've had Bridge and Tunnel. Yeah, we had Bronx. We had Big Alice. Um, threes. I think pretty much a gone through most of them at this point. They're fabulous. There's some great ones. Long Island City Beer Project. Yeah. And I just yep. want to give a big shout out to Union Beer Distributors, who are they're our sponsor, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. All right. So if you want to tweet us, at beer underscore sessions, Maggie's tweeting. We're on Instagram now. And uh, just, just keep listening in. So talking about New York City Brewers Choice and, and the Smash Beer, it's kind of the connection with, with Tor. Uh, you know, you're a, a grain grower upstate. Tell us a little about your involvement. There's a project called Regional Grains Project. And the, af- after you got grains going... The natural connection was, hey, let's make beer. And uh, just tell us, because it's been going on for a few years. Just a few years ago, there really weren't any maltsters in this state. Yeah, so I uh, initially got hooked up with uh, Andrea and Christian at Valley Malt. I have a 1,200-acre diversified organic grain farm right outside of uh, Ithaca, New York, about six miles. And uh, I initially uh, met them through... Not working. No, it's fine. <laughs> you're oh. doing good. You're doing fine, man. Don't worry. I, I, you're giving me that. Oh, she's gesturing to Jason uh, about how to pour the beer. I thought she was telling me to stop talking. 
so I initially, uh, we also have a flour milling operation. So I had gotten involved in, in growing food grade grains, uh, uh, wheat and rye. And uh, I met Andrea at a conference um, where we were both speaking about grains. And then she sort of, I, I nicknamed her Stalker Babe because she kind of came after me and said, hey, listen, man, I want you to grow some grains for me. I'm interested in uh, some different varieties, some different uh, types of grains to do malt besides just barley. Uh, and I was growing these uh basically varieties that we had picked for flavor to work with in terms of flour and then uh she started taking them and malting them and shipping them to uh initially uh mostly breweries in massachusetts but then in new york as uh the sort of uh, farmer uh brewer legislation came on and the local uh, beer things started really happening. And it was about two years ago that, that it really happened for us with the Regional Grains Project and at New York City Brewers Choice, at least close to 10 New York State breweries were making batches of beer just for the event with some New York State malt that Valley Malt had malted. Right. And that's when we met you, Amy. And I know you wrote about that event. Tell us about your experience. Because I know you're making pancakes and you got a great book out, which we'll have time to talk about, The New Bread Basket. The New Bread Basket. So I... Um, might as well start this story with malt. I um, I don't drink anymore because I used that up early in life, but I really like pancakes, and um, I really like flour. So when I started to investigate local flour, I soon found local malt, and I thought, what the heck am I going to do with malt because I don't like to drink anymore? But malt makes really, really good pancakes. So as soon as I met Andrea <laughs> and Christian, I had a new thing. to. I, I started taking pictures of my pancakes because they blew me away how much better they tasted. It adds a real sweetness and browning to pancakes and biscuits, which I use the same mix for. And it's just this phenomenal taste that is uh, representative of the phenomenal effort of people who are making grains happen in the region again. It's really, really different to have food that's not a commodity crop. You can taste it in a tomato. You can taste it in a grain, whether you use it to mill or malt and make bread or beer. It's really just a different thing, and there's some really amazing people making stuff happen. I love Brewer's Choice because it's amplifying and getting more people aware that this is out there. It's very convincing. And then, now Jason's living living proof that this actually can work. <laughs> so you open up your brewery, Jason, and tell us some of your inspirations. Yeah, I mean we're a, we're a small two barrel brewery uh, focusing on on you know using local ingredients. Um, we're using about ninety five percent New York State malts and about hundred percent New York hops. Um, really, just kind of. Trying to push uh, working with the uh, the farmers and the maltsters and the growers uh, and just kind of getting that 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 kind of connection back uh, rather than just buying supplies. I want to work with work with you guys and you know really develop those relationships. And how do you feel about the, the current malt being produced in New York State? I, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think I, I you know to my own horn, but, you know, I'm making some uh, some great beer, and I just think what they're doing is was awesome, and, you know, we have a little bit of it here, actually. The uh, the stout that we have right now has uh, some of the first uh, roasted barley and um, chocolate malts uh, that were produced by Valley Malt, uh, you know, uh, in, in New York. Um, you know, it's still a young uh, industry. A lot of people are working, trying to make it uh, better and 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 really take it to the next level, um, and we're doing that. Let's get Dustin. So Dustin, you're you're working at 
Bally Malt. Tell us about your background and, and where you see all this going. Because I know you're, you're studying barley, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, um, I'm actually I'm actually in uh, in my graduate studies uh, at at um, Oregon State University, and uh, so right now I just work with I work with barley, and I work across multiple different aspects of barley, either it be low temperature tolerance, uh, some food barley, even forage barley, but mainly focusing on malting barley. Uh, specifically malted quality as well as flavor. And so we look at different flavors of different barley varieties and how that carries on through the beer. And uh, that pretty much has uh, opened up a lot of opportunities um, uh, for me to do some, some some different projects and work with a lot of great people. Um, and in, in that project, those projects are actually funded by, we have a, a, a Flavor 7 pack, which is seven big breweries uh, from around the country that then uh, pool money and then help us do this kind of research. Great. And how do you see all this? I love listening to you. Uh, who are the breweries that are involved in that? Yeah, so we've got, uh, uh, so over on the west side, uh, there is Sierra Nevada, there's Firestone Walker, uh, Russian River, uh, Deschutes. Mm-hmm. Then as we move further east, uh, we have uh, Summit uh, Brewing and uh, New Glarus and Bells. Good people that's to be great. working with. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the setting the stage for our show. So, uh, you know, Tor, talk more, because, you know, you're one of, one of the fathers of all this. You know, when did you first, what grains do you grow that can be used in beer? And when did you first start doing that? Um, well, farming itself started in, in 1991. Uh, and then uh, we really uh, got into uh, doing a lot of these, you know, I would call them food grade or malting grade grains in, in 2009 is kind of when that took off. And, and we... Um, you know, as I said, initially Jason, started. Let's try your beer. We're drinking some of Jason's. Oh, yeah. Stronger. I'm already been drinking really it to die for. <laughs> well, I'm listening to the tour and I'm drinking Jason's beer. All right. Yeah, and I, I think the when we really started uh, in on um, you know getting into the growing for the malting trade, which you know in terms of the quality. Um, specs that you need to hit as a farmer in the northeast can be really tricky because we don't necessarily have uh, the best weather uh, for growing malting grade uh, either barley or wheat or rye you know there's you know uh, a disease called fusarium head blight that's associated with wet weather during the flowering of the grain so when the head comes out of the plant uh, and starts to flower to produce seed uh, it can be attacked by um, the fusarium virus, which causes a toxin um, in the seeds called vomitoxin, which will cause gushing in beer uh, and other <laughs> difficulties with the, both the malting and brewing process. So, you know, part of what we had to do was look for varieties that both had excellent flavor, uh, good malting characteristics, and also had some disease resistance. Uh, in order to produce a, a grain that was able to be malted and be high quality. I think that, you know, is stuff that we're still working on and also thinking about what uh, crop rotations work in terms of minimizing some of these risks. What's it like when you meet someone who's a student studying barley? What do you guys talk about? Well, we, you know, I mean, it's easy to get geeked out on, <laughs> on grains. You know, the, the people that love it are fanatics. You know, I mean, that's why me and Amy became such good friends because we're both super grains freaks. So uh, I would say, I, you know, a guy like him, I would love to ask him, hey, you know, what, what are you guys working on? 
Let's go ahead. Yeah, ask what are you working on over there? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we do. Uh, we work on quite a bit with, within barley for sure. I mean, uh, we've actually just recently started switching our program over from, uh, from more of a six row um, oriented uh, to more two row, and that's mainly because we're moving with the market. Is we're seeing more and more of the breweries um, start to use two row, and so really we're starting to then integrate more of, a, of exotic germplasm. Kind of expanding our, 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 our genetic base so we can select for uh, uh, better malting quality traits and, and, and use different genetics to then improve those traits. As are well you as starting to, are you like going back in time in terms of using heritage wheats and stuff and trying to breed them forward uh, into making a more modern variety that has? Good disease resistance and also this is this some is a food grapes. network, so this is appropriate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so th- yeah, so that I mean, I mean, I mean, that's I mean, that's just uh, a fundamental part of plant breeding is mm-hmm. to is to look at at more um, um, uh, ancestral type uh, uh, cultivars, successions mm-hmm. of of barley, and then and then take those genetics and so it, and then breed them, breed them forward, mixing them with with, with more elite um, modern um, right. varieties, and that and that's just uh, that helps us keep these varieties stable and and. Um, and productive as as new pressures such or a new uh, um, uh, issues come forth in agronomics. J- Jason, let's just take a step back. Actually, what from the grain to the glass? What is this beer? It's really good. <laughs> so this is our uh, this is our uh, dry stout, four point eight percent. Fat man, little stout is the name. Um, and this is the the first. First beer, so we used, you know, we were using a lot of base uh, grains uh, that were from the Northeast uh, and Valley Malt, Pioneer, uh, New York Craft Malt, uh, and this is the first one that is actually using the majority of the roasted grains are coming from the Northeast and New York. Uh, so these are Valley Malts, roasted barley, and chocolate malt that are the predominant roast characters uh, within within the within the beer. That's great. And I know Amy's dying to say something. So you, re- you really are a grain expert. You know, you, re- you wrote about grains, and, and but I know you love pancakes. No, no, no. I was going I wasn't gonna talk about pancakes. You're going. No. You're, just, you're going to about... Florida. You're gonna make pancakes. I've never seen her so excited in her life. She just loves pancakes. I do. I'm traveling with my own griddle. But I know Justin's involved with a ton of great projects out in Oregon because they have they have a blog called Barley World. I mean, you can find the Barley World and go there. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Um, one of the things that a product of the breeding program at OSU is full pint, right? Yeah, absolutely. So full mm-hmm. pint is a variety of barley that someone decided, hey, this stuff is great enough that he's a mecca grade malt. That's the only barley they're growing, and they have a huge system. I forget, I, I forget how big they are, but they, um, you know, they're focusing on a single. Variety. Mm-hmm, yeah. We don't have that luxury out here in the Northeast. Yeah, We're absolutely. a lot scrappier, but the, you've got incredible grain resources in terms of growers who you can convert over as you get, um, you know, you identify these varieties that have flavor and characteristics that, mm-hmm. that brewers want. You just have such potential to make yep. things happen. I mean, we're definitely making things happen here. We've got, is it seven or nine malt houses in New York State now? That's, that's, what, I've, yeah, that's what I'm at right now, yeah. Yeah, there were, mm-hmm. there were 77 malt houses in New York State in 1901. Hmm. So, And what, two years ago there were none? Right. <laughs> You know, so obviously we could do this. We we can do this. Right. And um, it's really exciting, all the energy that's going into it. 
we were all just at a conference at Hartwick College. Um, it's the Farmer Brewer Conference. I missed that. You missed you it in a big go. way. Yeah, that's awesome. We had a rye <laughs> feast. We're focusing on rye all weekend, and it was just an incredible um, mind meld of all the resources around the country who are trying to make this happen. Hartwick College has the Food and Beverage Innovation Center, which is run by Aaron McLeod, who came from the Canadian Malt barley testing station, something like that, something official and mounty sounding. Um, and now we have this resource. We have a malt quality testing lab that's going to be opening up June 1st so growers can God, we're get geek, We're their, geeking out on malt. Oh, we can go all day. Do we have just an hour? We need a Oh, no, year. we're just starting. But yeah, I know you wanted to ask a question. Yeah, I was just curious about the um, when you were saying the disease-resistant types of barley. Is that something that's just naturally like that, or, or can you breed... The varietals to be more resistant to Good disease. question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, absolutely. Dustin Herb, Mr. Barley. <laughs> a- absolutely. I mean, hey, what, I did mean, you, I, what did you call yourself earlier? Barley what? Uh, I'm a barley, I'm a PhD candidate. Uh, I'm a barley breeder. Barley breeder, that's breeder. it. Mr. Yeah, barley yeah, breeder. Yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah, so we can absolutely, so 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 diseases, especially a lot of diseases like fusarium um, that, that Torvus was, uh, was talking about, um, they, there's multiple different strains of those diseases, and they, and they, they develop and evolve o- over time. And so as, as they evolve, we have to continually be, con- uh, be breeding for those. And so it's constant selection. We actually have uh, uh, projects that are solely uh, centered around finding resistance for those d- d- diseases. And it's not just one disease. There's multiple different diseases that have issues. And the Northeast is much different than, than uh, the Northwest. You can walk and, through a field and spit, and you're going to find a disease, right? Oh, yeah. You're, oh, yeah. You're gonna find, well, I mean, hopefully not. If it's, a, if it's a good variety, we're not going to find something. Hold on one second. We're, we're going to take it. This is really going a great direction. And actually, when we come back, I want to hear more about what you're actually doing at Valley Malt. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. El Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome. Is it on yet? Music. 
Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a new engineer, David. He's, he's doing a great job, and uh, we're just working on the cues. Sorry about but that. Jack, no, Jack faked me out there a little bit. No worries, guys. Um, so, um, Jason, yes. this beer is awesome. And, and it's, do you know what everyone's been asking me lately at Jimmy's number 43? <laughs> I don't. For more malt Ford beers. Oh, nice. Because I people like are throwing in hops, and the, where, there's the pills with the, that too much hops. I had a beer. I'm not going to say who made it. It's supposed to be an English mild this weekend. It was 3.5%, and I had these customers like, guys, I finally got the beer for you. I've got the English mild, 3.5%. It's going to be malt forward. And they tasted it. They said, dude, there's too much hops in it. Yeah. So I, I like this new direction. We've actually been talking about it for weeks. So tell me about this beer, why you made it so malt forward. This tastes like the best beer I've had in a long time. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it's it. Killer. Thank you. I, I mean, personally, I, I love doing malt forward beers. I just, I really enjoy... The, the kind of nuances and subtleties that you can get from uh, multi beers. It also helps that I'm in between two great brewers of uh, hoppy beers, so we didn't need more more hops. I, I think, and I just I think malts are underappreciated within the the or under. Maybe not appreciated, but under. So kind which which of, breweries are you near? Because you're in Brooklyn, uh, you just opened. Yeah, we're in Gowanus. Uh, other half is on one side uh, with Folk Spear, and Threes is on the other, and they're doing some amazing, amazing beers. Um, and they're all, but they're kind of you know very hop forward and um, yeast driven, uh, and we are kind of a doing very cleanly fermented uh, beers that are really more about the malts and somewhat about the hops. Um, and I just, I really like kind of, you know, picking apart those, all those different flavors that we can get, the roast, the chocolate, the coffee, the caramel, like getting all those things and really kind of just breaking it down and seeing all the different characteristics that come. Hey, Tori, you know, as, as a grain farmer, I mean, Amy was telling us the, how the flavors of grain come through and pancakes she just told me that this you could make a pancake out of beer right oh yeah yeah jump on. but for you when, when you're drinking this beer do you do you taste grains oh yeah definitely beer? and uh you know it's really i mean the the thing i really really love is going to brewer's choice and seeing that the uh, malts that were used came from, you know, say Valley Malt or uh, Pioneer or we work with uh, New York Craft Malt and know that like the Danko Rye, uh, as a for instance, is a variety that I brought in originally as a, as a flower variety. It's a Polish rye. Uh, uh, that makes excellent, has excellent flavor, but makes incredible rye malt. Uh, and you can really taste it in the beer. And to go and and have those beers with and be able to taste the flavor of that, because I know what that rye tastes like, to be able to taste it in the beer, that is really fantastic. I mean, do, do you just like sometimes chew on your, your oh, grains? Oh, yeah, get yeah, the yeah, yeah. So Amy does. She's bouncing lunch, over here. Lunch is running a little late. Grab a handful. <laughs> brought some for all of us to chew because it's i mean it's incredible the flavors of malts i mean you yeah. must do that jason as you're trying to brew you have to taste it to figure it even out even if i'm not brewing i just walk by and grab malts and just start chewing on them yeah, yeah i mean but i definitely when i'm when i'm developing recipes and or brewing the day of i always try every malt that's going in just so i know what's 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 going on and the the, the flavors and the ideas that were that i'm trying to create whether that beer are being uh 
kind of transferred over into, you know, from the, the grain to the to the actual final product. And I like that we're seeing a continuation, too, from grain to beer to then spent grain being used in more baked goods and, pan, you know, things like pancakes or cookies. I just love the idea of keeping it going as long as spent possible. Spent grain marijuana cookies. Yes. So, uh, Whoa, that's that Colorado thing. I know Maggie, Maggie perked up when I said that. There's, granola bar, there's a granola bar company in San Francisco. We mm. need somebody around here. Here's a small food biz, Brooklyn. Come on. Let's see the granola bars made We're from actually, spent grains. I'm actually working uh, right now with uh, a local bakery right around the corner for me, Runner and Stone, in trying uh, to yeah. do, uh, yeah, we're trying to do, uh, you know, figure out some spent grain recipes uh, with some of our stuff. Where they're right around the corner from us, and you know, uh, they're doing some some great great stuff. So I bet you got Amy Hallander. Amy, I bet you have some spent grain recipes. <laughs> you know what? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, what? Even for your pancakes? I don't live near brewers. You know, I mean, I do, but like. Anyway, Peter Andrus from yes. Runner in Stone, he is an example of the kind of baker and brewer that we need and have. Jason, we need more beer. <laughs> because there are people who are meeting the grain right where it's at and trying to work with it. You know, I think it's important to state that what we have mostly in our lives is commodity grain. And commodity grain has been stripped of flavors, stripped of a lot of characteristics so that it performs well in big systems. But as we're retooling our work to have small-scale bakeries and small-scale breweries, you really have to have the workers who are ready to say, hey, what do you do in flour? What do you do in malt? Because it's not going to behave. This is a natural product. Even commodity grains are going to be a little bit different. But there's, there's, it's like a creature. It's an animal that you have to work with, and you have to be ready for it. And as mm-hmm. I was interviewing for my book, Peter was one of these people who just had this well, of course, I'm going to use local. He has an environmental science background. And, of course, I'm going to, um, you know, really work with it. And mm-hmm. I loved his attitude of meeting it where it's at. I think that that is mm-hmm. uh, hearing that it's not a surprise, hearing that he wants to work with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's switch it up. I mean, going back to Mr. Barley Breeder over there. <laughs> In a dozen herbs, like this young professor, and 30 years, you're going to be so established and, and a world leader. I can tell that. But you're going to look exactly the same with gray hair. I can just <laughs> and you got to take a picture of Mr. Barley Breeder, post it. But um, the question is: so you're a student at Oregon State. Yeah. What are you doing at Valley Malt? And you know, tell us more about the operations there, and 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 why you even choose to come out here. Yeah, absolutely. So I so I I'm in I'm in the final final stage, final year of uh, of my studies, and so I finished all my classes, and I said, hey, I uh, I don't want to be spending all this time, you know, just uh, maybe twiddling my thumbs a little bit, but why, why not go out and get some real world experience? So I had contacted um, Andrew and Christian, and uh, and said, hey, can I come out and learn from you guys because the, the craft malting industry, which is is just on on the rise, and so uh, we went out there and. Um, so I'm learning from them, hands-on experience uh, with with their systems, and then also we're doing a few collaborative projects with, with between OSU and Valley Mall. And these projects, there's actually three of them. Uh, the first one is looking at, at a stocking malt, which is basically a smaller, uh, like a like a, a, a malting a different type of barley or a different a different crop within a larger batch within like a mesh bag, and seeing if that produces a reproducible kind of malt. That that would allow a, a small craft malt house to then test different lines without actually using spending money on a, on a more mm, expensive system. That's a good idea. 
we're also we're also looking at um, at, at different protein levels uh, w- within barley and how that affects, of course, malting uh, quality, but also flavor. And the same with modification, how different these things, these different uh, varieties are modified, how that affects the overall flavor. Because we know that modification and even protein and amino acid con- content can actually change uh, the flavor profiles of the beer. Mm. And that's just all kind of what we're looking uh, looking at. Okay, so Grain Brain Trust, jump in. So I'm listening to you. I'm wondering if the listening audience might want to know what the term modification is. And, you know, maybe we should go backwards and state what malting is in the first place. Yeah, so, I mean, so uh, malting is basically you are, you're, 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 you're good one, Amy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're activating, you're activating these enzymes, these enzymes in which can break down uh, protein and starch uh, uh, in the cell walls of within the, within the kernel and that would that then allows the starch to be broken down into fermentable sugars which then then gets put into the grain the malt gets put into a mash it's going to be somewhere tomorrow in florida making pancakes that's why she's smiling but <laughs> no because somebody's talking about grain and that makes me smile yeah so yeah so uh, so modification is just really you're converting the barley because really barley alone is unsuitable uh, uh for 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 brewing you know because it's all it's all starch and there's, and there's really no enzymes and so what you need is you need to activate this enzyme with 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 the steeping, and that it allows you to convert uh, your starch into fermentable sugars being used in the brewing process. And you stop it at a certain level exactly. so that yep. the brewer can jump in mm-hmm. and take advantage of those sugars exactly. and use them for. And now tour. Well, I would say in terms of the farmer's uh, part of this process is realizing that if you're growing grain to be malted to go into the craft brewing industry, you're basically growing seed. Uh, and that needs to be handled in a completely different way uh, with much gentler hands in terms of the harvesting of it uh, and the post-harvest handling of it. Even a lot of the grain in New York, when we harvest it, it comes in at a moisture that is higher than what it can be stored at. It needs to be 14% or lower. A lot of the times we're uh, combining the grain at 18% and then we dry it artificially in a, in a crop dryer. And when you do that and you know that this is going to go to a malt house, you have to dry it very low temperatures so you keep the germ up uh, and and preserve that so that it can modify. Uh, if you don't handle it properly, overheat it or let it heat up because it's too wet uh, or don't store it properly, you can lose germination and then make it unusable. And when you studied for your master Cicerone, did, did you get this deep with grains and malts? I mean, not this deep. <laughs> I wish I had, you know, knew you guys then. That would be probably a big help. Um, but I'm absolutely fascinated by it. Again, it's not an aspect that we see very often. It's not something, especially in New York City, that we're exposed to very often. And so I think that's probably why I'm geeking out so much just listening to you guys. It's and great. Jason, so if you as a brewer who's focusing on New York State ingredients, how do you determine which of these malts you're going to use? Or just, are you getting them and experimenting? Is, is there like a knowledge base or a I chart mean, that you understand? I, you know, there, there's there's knowledge uh, based on on a lot of the the, the bigger malts. Uh, everything that's coming out of New York is is pretty new. So, um, kind of working with that, and I'm I'm small enough that that, and I'm young enough that we're just still experimenting with everything that we get. The, the maltsters are still making new malts, so each time come, something comes in, we we work with it. And I actually do a whole single malt, single hop series to really kind of understand the ingredients. What is the extract of that malt? What is what are the flavor? What is, what is, what are we? What am I getting out of it? Um, so that I can see that uh, that that particular malt, and then 
you know, incorporate it into other beers and, you know, kind of layer it with other other malts, you know, the roasted grains and other things uh, so that we can finally, you know, put that into a, a finalized beer. No, I mean, really, once again, tell us the beer that we're drinking because this has it's, been my uh, beer of the week, man. <laughs> Fat Man Little Stout. Uh, dry Strong Stout. Road Brewery. Strong, yeah, Strong Road Brewery's Fat Man Little Stout, uh, 4.8% uh, Dry Stout. Uh, and what do you? It's New York City mm, Beer Week. I know that you're, you're open as a brewery. You also have a tap room. Yeah. So you're hosting some things this week. Yeah, yeah. So we actually hosted uh, a, a kind of meet and greet uh, little roundtable with Pioneer Malt uh, last, last Sunday, and on Thursday I'm hosting a panel discussion with three hop farmers. Uh, all the you know pioneers up outside of Rot or in Rochester. And the hop farmers kind of span the state, and actually, one of them is uh, from from the city, Tiny Field uh, Hop Farm. And they're going to be right, um, yeah, we had them yeah. on a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. so uh, you know, and we're going to just kind of again talk about the the state of New York hops and um, you know the the issues, kind of like we're talking about now, all the all the different things, the fusarium, all this other stuff. And you know, it's great. We we had John before you opened, and yeah. when when did you open? We officially opened December 17th of uh, 2015. So we're, we're so, so psyched to months. have you back on yeah. post-opening and drinking your Thanks beer. For having me. We're going to drink more of your beer. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Mr. Jack Inslee is in the studio, man. He's rocking it out. We've been having so many great Beer Week shows, and we kicked off Beer Week the other day. And uh, hey, Jack, how are you, buddy? We love this network, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Check it out. If you're not a member, do so, because there's so many benefits, including things like, I don't know, there's an e-cookbook with uh, many of the hosts. And Jack, what's the link for that? If you... There's an e-cookbook with... I have a recipe in there, too, like a pasta recipe. Yeah, that's true. You do. It's exciting stuff. They can go to heritageradionetwork.org or find us on Facebook for a lot of information on that. But it's it's really cool. I even have a party playlist tips in there for music, so... Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Well, this is a great... It's a great, again, great network, heritageradionetwork.org. I'm a member. Be a member, and it's a good thing. So, um, this is the Grain Show. Geek out, guys. Come on. New York State Grains. We're drinking in the glass, from grain to glass... Jason Saylor, no one had to tell this guy that he was going to do focus on New York State ingredients. It's, it's the smartest thing that anyone's done in a while, and your beers taste great. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes. And Amy wants to tell you how, how good they are because she knows about grains. <laughs> well, I know how good what he's doing because this New York State Farm Brewery Law specifies using a certain amount, but the percentages you name, Jason, are above and beyond yeah. your requirements. And that's what's really beautiful about people who are just jumping into this. You're not established customers. You don't have a routine of beers that people are expecting something from. Right. You don't have prices that... 
you know, you're cornered by, you're really doing something good because this economy is growing from the ground up. We And what's going to happen is people are going to want to know where, the, where things are sourced from. Yep. They're going to want to know, field to glass, how this all happened. And also things like Tap New York, which is, which is a big thing. You know, if a small brewery wins a prize at Tap New York, that's huge. I remember when Barrier, five or six years ago, won Best, yeah. best Brewery in New York State. They were only a, a two- or three-barrel system at the time. They blew people away. Yeah. So I think that what you're putting in the glass is great, and, and cheers, man. I appreciate great it. Great job. What's the next beer we have? Yeah, so this one is uh, Seeds of Love and Outrage. This is our double IPA. Um, uh, Except we'll never remember the names of your beers. And you're not going to make them twice either. Well, these ones, these actually, the two that I brought today are, are somewhat mainstays. We have a, we have a good variety um, of, of beers, but we're, they're, you know, they will rotate through um, again and again. So this one is uh, you know, made with a majority Pioneer malt, but also... Uh, uh, you know, a hefty portion of you know, you know, maybe, uh, of of the your wheat tour uh, and uh, from Valley Malt. Um, and uh, yeah, so and did you collaborate with with Jason? That's the next beer we're going to drink. That's oh, after that, okay, yeah. yeah. Good. And Tor, tell us about so your wheat's in this glass. First, can you taste it? And then second of all, what wheat is I it? I haven't tried it yet, so um, I'm going to sip it right now and then tell you if it's I can. It's probably warthog, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh. Jason knows Man, that is really good. <laughs> what, what? Uh, yes, it is warthog hard red winter wheat, which uh, is a, uh, a really, really amazing variety that came out of actually um, – taste test that we did at the French Culinary Institute. When was that? That was 2010. Like 2010. Mm-hmm. We uh, brought down uh, I don't know how many different varieties of wheat that we were trialing and had uh, bakers from around New York City um, make it into bread and had people come and evaluate them and Warthog came out just on its both baking uh, qualities but just excellent flavor and then through my work with uh, Christian and Andrea at Valley Malt, they started taking it to see if it would make an excellent malting beer. And actually, uh, malting wheat, and it really does. And the other thing, it's actually used raw. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery makes their green market wheat beer with uh, warthog from That makes farm. sense. I, I wondered. Yep. So how, is, how does that work as a brewer? I mean, you can, you can make a wheat beer without malted grain. Uh, or a percentage. Wheat. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can you can add unmalted wheat, which can help with um, some flavors and head retention and other stuff. But uh, the, the the wheat that I'm using in, in this beer is malted. It's malted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was wondering I, that too because I know I, I know I in the green market wheat beer, I, I think a high percentage is is unmalted. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I was actually wondering how they use that because they it does I not I go know. to a malt house first. Yeah. It goes directly to them. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what is like a white beer. Is that made out of an unmalted wheat or? Who knows? Well, I don't know whether it's malted or not. But yeah, in, in wheat beers, as a percentage, a high percentage, it can be as much as fifty percent that is unmalted. So that's why, okay. in some ways, wheat. Fucking. This type of wheat is actually really great to go directly from farm. With some 50, it can be fifty percent uh, wheat, but I don't know if it's unmalted wheat because if it's unmalted wheat, you're not going to get anything out of it. So it's not going to provide anything. I mean, you'll get flavors and you'll get other things, but you're not going to be ex- getting ex- any extract. So it, right. it's that's you know. a good question for listeners and everybody else, and we should definitely follow up. So you I, know, in yeah. Brooklyn's green market wheat, what percentage of that wheat is unmalted? That's a good one. I do have a question. Don't know. Maybe uh, Amy knows. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Tor. Though is. Uh, 
as as you're as you've been kind of creating these or getting these new varietals uh, in, are you starting to narrow down and only work like with warthog or the Danko rye? Uh, are you starting to find ones that work and you're sticking with it, or you is it constantly uh, changing and uh, you know getting? Yeah, new so we we try to trial different varieties as as we see them come up. Uh, the the challenge is to find. Uh, varietals that both work agronomically on the farm and uh, have the uh, good uh, flavor and quality traits that a brewer and malt house might need or a flour mill might need. So there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we find something like Warhog that is both an excellent wheat to grow, harvests easy, uh, keeps its quality in the field, uh, makes good straw, is good against weeds, has a lot of great agronomic <laughs> qualities, uh, it's hard to kick that out, and it yeah. has excellent market acceptance. That said, uh, there's other varieties that are coming down the pipe uh, that we try to trial each year, a few acres of this, a few acres of that, uh, and see how they compare against Warthog, because there could be something out there, or, I mean, I think, you know, having a lot of variety is a great thing for mm-hmm. both me and someone like you who wants different flavors, uh, new varieties to kick around. So I, I don't want to sit with one thing. I'm, and part of the real fun for me as a farmer is to try different varieties and see how they do uh, and then yeah. ship them off to somebody and get feedback on them. I mean, nice. that's really, really good. What's um, the, This is, might be a silly question, but what's the pesticide situation with a lot of these new grain growers? I mean, is it really difficult to have organic grains? Is it something? Um, yeah, so we're an organic grower, so, you know, goes without saying no pesticides. Uh, one uh, Growing organic malting barley is really difficult. Barley, at least the varieties we have now, is, is very susceptible to a lot of crop diseases that we have in New York. So uh, there's uh, sprays that they put on there, uh, fungicides uh, to to help prevent that, which we can't use. So I've grown malting barley uh, and had really hit and mix hit and mix uh, hit and miss success <laughs> with it. Isn't <laughs> that second beer was really strong? <laughs> so uh, you know it, it's a pretty risky crop to try to meet the malting target with, where uh, wheat and rye seem to be uh, a little bit less susceptible, or the varieties we have are, are a little stronger. So. Yeah, and that's why this year's focus at the Farmer Brewer Farmer Brewer Conference was in its fourth or fifth year. Andrea and Christian started it over at Valley Malt, and it was held over there for a number of years. And this year, the theme was a maltster in the rye. The idea being, rye grows great in New York State. What can we do with it? Mm-hmm. So they looked at that from a ton of different angles, and there is a lot of capacity as you know this is a new business to try to get people interested in the variety of grains which you have to have to to do small small scale production especially organically when you're rotating through crops because you don't want to beat the ground to death and use up the resources that are getting captured by the grains if you plant the same thing over and over again right that that was really interesting uh when they were there talking about rye because we do grow a lot of it and uh, the the head brewer from Fargo Brewery was there and gave an excellent talk about uh, uh, different types of rye beers from around the world mm-hmm. and uh, he actually and some of the challenges with malting rye and brewing with rye it's not the easiest grain to make work uh, and he 
he did two beers exactly the same uh, methods using two different varieties of rye. One was Danko that was a uh, variety that we used, and the other was AC Hazlitt, which is a Canadian variety. Uh, and he had both those beers there, and it was amazing how different they taste. The, the Danko had a real heavy rye flavor, and the AC Hazlitt had a, a much uh, cleaner taste and tasted a lot more like a, a vice beer. Mm. So, so grain, grain people and brewers here, um, I've had conflicting reports about how much rye you can make in a beer. I've also heard that New York has to develop its own barley, you know, growing capabilities to make beer. What's the truth, and where is it really going to go? Because I've heard from you guys that why don't we have more rye and heirloom grains? Why do we need to focus on barley? But how much barley do we really need in our beer to make it to to work? And why don't we start with Mr. Barley Breeder over there? If you've talked about different grains besides barley. A lot of people in New York says barley is hard to grow. Yeah, uh, okay, so so your question is, uh, um, what other grains you can use in, in, in the beer, and, and does it not just have to be barley? Yeah, it's not, just, it's, it's not just so much that, is that could we have more just native grains that, that work here, like rye and, and some other heirloom grains, and do we need to even think about developing barley as a New York State you know, beer ingredient? Yeah, so I mean, I think I mean, so 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 naturally, I mean, you you would go to to get other 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 grains, such as rye and wheat, and and even 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 more heirloom versions of barley uh, and beyond. Um, I mean, you, you you go to to your local breeder, and for New York State, it's definitely Mark Soros at Cornell, and 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 he would be able to be able to put together a program to which brings brings uh, germplasm from other areas in which to trial and. New York, and that's how you would first start about seeing what works in your area and how you can. And, and so, certain varieties will be able to be uh, more uh, adaptable to um, this region than others. And then from there, it would go to trialing, like say on 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 Austrian Farm and other farms like it, to do more farm larger scale trials. Okay, then Jason, you as a brewer, I mean, how does that work for you? Do you well, have you ever made a fifty percent rye beer or anything like that? I, I haven't uh, particularly, um, you know, but. Roggen beers do have 50%, sometimes even higher than that. Um, so you can make it out of these different grains, and I guess it just ends up being whether there is enough enzymatic activity within yeah. the, the actual malt. To so is, barley is really the magic grain for beer, is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it is right now. I don't know if bar, if these other grain varieties can get that type of activity to... To, yeah, they, uh, they can't, basically. Yeah, that, it's, it's, that's it's, what I gleaned from the Farmer Brewer Conference. Yeah. You know, I think rye in a beer, they seem to think 10 20% was kind of where it's at with rye, and that, that it's it's more of imparting a flavor, and you really do need the barley in there for mm-hmm. the enzymatic activity. And the breeding research is well underway in New York. There, you know, there are, what's the northern, northeastern, um, breeding trials that are going on because this is a there's this multi-state never mind i'm not going to get the name but (laughs) it's there's a lot of effort going into this because we have all these end users ready to use this we have farmers who want to grow we have you know brewers who want to brew it and these malt houses so we're working hard in new york and in the northeast to identify different kinds of barley that we can work with yeah absolutely i mean so as 
as there's as there's more as there's more interest and more demand for these grains, we're going to see more of of small grain breeders within either private industry or in the public sector. Uh, right now, it's more in the public sector uh, to come in and start you know, say, okay, we've, we're going to start doing statewide trials, even multiple states, and then you see those those uh, varieties become more available uh, uh, to to brewers. Yeah. yeah, I know where I'm going, and and the latest batch of New York City Smash beers that that are here for beer week uh, many of the brewers mentioned that one of the they had a couple of choices of, of the malts to, to pick from many of them chose to, to focus on the spelt mm. i don't know who, who who sourced it or anything but uh that's another grain so how does spelt you know a malted spelt work in a beer as opposed to a barley Ooh, that that's a good question <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't actually don't know the answer but i'm imagining that uh you know spelt is a as a uh, early relative of of wheat, and you know modern wheats came out of spelt, so I imagine it would act uh, much like I mean, a uh, much like a wheat in a beer. Yeah, I mean that's it? what I, was, I I actually haven't uh, worked with spelt. I did not do uh, you know just getting up and running. You know, in December was still kind of figuring things out, so we didn't participate in the actual uh, smash event this time, um, just also because I'm, you know, most of my beers are, you know, pretty heavily New York or, or Northeast in general. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I believe it just acts, as, you know, kind of as a substitute for rye or or wheat, uh, you know, and, and kind of provides its own characteristics. Yeah, I mean, it has, it's spelt as an incredibly nutty flavor. It's it's really fantastic. I mean, spelt sexy, you know, there's some yeah, Belgian totally saisons and spelt. Yeah. And what about yeah. for pancakes? What about spelt? <laughs> they are really good. They're, a spelt pancake is about as good as the best pancake in the world, which is a soft white pastry wheat. Wow. We're getting places here. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up soon. But, Anne, the last beer you poured, and tell us about it. Yeah, the last beer um, we're pouring right now is uh, actually a collaboration we did with Taproom 307 and Strong Rope. And it was just, it was kind of initially meant to be what we would drink in our staff party, and it was so good. And we put it on our event last night with all the New York beers. And I just love to see, we were a packed house last night, and everyone got to see, you know, the description talking about these state malts. 40 different New York state beers. We did, yeah, 42 actually, because we had two casks as well. And to see people that might have just shown up for the game and now are, are getting educated about smash beers and knowing where it comes from. I mean, the reach is expansive and it's getting bigger and bigger and it was so inspiring and really good. good. And Jason, once again, the, the two beers that you poured for us earlier, which I love. Yeah, uh, it was a Seeds of Love and Outrage, uh, 8.1% double IPA and a Fat Man Little Stout, 4.8% uh, dry stout. Oh, and this is called I'd Tap That, by the way. It's on at their tap room, too. Love yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, and lastly, Mr. Barley Breeder, anything else you want to say? The future of barley? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I to be honest, you know, this sort of research that we do within grains is really exciting, and as and it really starts on the ground level with the consumer and with the brewer, and as as the, as the demand and interest goes up, that means we get more uh, more pull that allows us to do this kind of research. Awesome. And tour final words because we love you, man. You're a big part of the whole right. grain scene here. Yeah, I want to thank Jimmy and everybody for having me down. You know. Uh, Coming down to New York City Beer Week and, and, and getting invited to be on the radio show and going to Brewer's Choice. Uh, you know, farming can be this pretty insulating thing. You're up there. Yeah, it's, it's not boring. It's exciting, man. <laughs> Everybody should be so lucky as to farm. Yeah. That's the how sun's I feel, coming but... <laughs> out tonight. It's a blossom. <laughs> but anyway, I just want to say, you know, up there to come down and have uh, drink some beer with my grain in it. You know, when we're out there and we're sweating away, it makes the whole thing worthwhile. That's really awesome. And then, Amy, where are you making pancakes in Florida tomorrow? <laughs> Miami. It's, it's an event. It's a food event. And... <laughs> 
um, I go around making pancakes anywhere. I, you know, say you want me to make pancakes and I'll come. My book is the new bread basket, and I am so excited about the way that people are getting to know grains. You want to know your brewer, you want to know your grain, you want to know your farmer, and the capacity you guys have and you guys are building by people saying, oh, I I had a spelt beer this weekend. Maybe they'll go backwards and look for spelt flour. Maybe they'll go backwards and want to see who's growing spelt in New York, who's growing pastry wheat. And there's grains like Frika. (laughs) We'll go deep. We'll go deeper on grains. I will say this. Check out Beer Week. It's still going on. Thursday night, I'm going out to Strong Rope. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I'm going to Jimmy's number 43 for another. We're doing a hop salon, too, with uh, John Conzella and John Siegel from Siegel Ranch. So nice. that's going to be fun. Thanks to our guests, Jason, Amy, Tor, Dustin, and Ann. And the whole thing changed. We, we, we didn't get Valley Mall, Christian, and Andrea, but they sent this great young guy, Dustin Herb. We're expecting a lot from you, man, Mr. Barley Breeder. <laughs> We're counting on I'll, I'll do my I best. This is best. the most interesting talk I've ever, I've ever been part of about grains, and uh, I think that's really amazing. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to our producers, Maggie and Justin, engineers David and Jack, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sashes Radio. All right, yeah. All right. Woo. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.